should we do a Zoom for the draft to have people? Because you. Yeah. Because it's wanna, always good. It's always good I to get to watch the draft. Though I've been I've been refreshing on mock drafts for the last like six months. You know, I, well, it's I, also I, nice to see the reaction of Jets fans when their pick is made. And we're yes. going to lose that tomorrow. So if we if we created a big Zoom, like a Zoom meeting, we can sprinkle in some Jets fans there. And then when they make their pick, we can try and bring their screens to the forefront to see what the reaction is. Maybe the league will find some, uh, some some key marquee fans to, to, to show being unhappy when the pick is made. Oh, Gary V. Can we get Gary V tomorrow? There you go. Oh, dude, that would be fucking great. <laughs> and just have his picture right when the Jets are making their, their pick. <laughs> or even better. And, and, the, and the Jets pick is, no! Well, they haven't announced yet. Still, no! Uh, what is the Jets pick? How, how far up are they? I don't know. They're like 11, I think. Somewhere in that range. Maybe now, comes the, now comes the part where the Bostonian in me says the draft is usually less exciting than you. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> Walter, Walter, it usually doesn't take better, that much time. You better start thinking about the draft now. Did you, did you see this one? Gone to Fenway? I don't know. What oh, I know? man. Yeah. I can't resist. Uh, hold on one second. I'm down for it. Brandon doesn't want to do it because he just wants to relax and watch the draft and analyze and text. So here's a question. For First you of all, you can still text while you're doing a, a Zoom. Like, there's nothing that stops you. So, but that's a whole other story. That's true. What do you so think as long as we're not, we haven't hit record yeah. yet, if, if, uh, if, if Michael Jordan's last dance did 6.1 million viewers, what does the draft do? I think it does 10 million viewers. It's going to be crazy. I, I really I think it does. I can't imagine what, what any sports fan will be doing tomorrow night. If but why there. haven't they and have they integrated social somehow someone someone fucked this up by not somehow integrating social into the draft right this, there's got to be something i i i would venture to guess we're going to see some cool stuff who knows yeah. yeah um let's get started i'm rich greenfield on behalf of walt pisick brandon ross my partners at light shed we are really excited to team to have the team from delta trey andrea and jeff have been you know really nice enough to join us it really uh, it's a company that I've been fascinated by. I mean, it's, first of all, I should say it's a topic I'm fascinated by, sports technology, uh, especially in a time when there are no sports. So this is sort of an interesting time to even talk about sports technology. But I, I thought maybe as a launching pad, you know, I I've known this company for a while. We ran into each other. We started talking more when we were back at CES, which seems like a lifetime ago right now. But it, it would be really helpful maybe for the audience that's watching um, and that's going to consume this. Just Maybe walk us through the history, Andrea. Like, how did this company come about? This is not a well-known company in the U.S. The way a BamTech became very well-known. What's the history of Delta Train? How did you get to a company that has a thousand people doing streaming technology that a lot of people in the U.S. just and certainly investors don't know about? Yeah. First of all, great being here. Thanks a lot for your for your time. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can talk about it for 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 hours. I'll try to condensate it in a in a few minutes. So the company was founded uh, in 1986 uh, by our current CEO, Giampiero Rinaudo, and my, my father. Uh, by the way, the company is exactly my same age, and today is my birthday. So 1986 uh, is like my older sister. And um, they started by taking timing in uh, Formula One, where totally different uh, times. So taking timing in Formula One, then a lot of ski, uh, other motorsport like um, uh, MotoGP Dorna, and then uh, they've been growing in football and in other uh, international uh, sports. 
the um, I would say the company started from data and traditional broadcast and then uh, during the year has been able to reinvent itself uh, uh, becoming uh, a digital uh, digital reality and uh, uh, I would say looking at the wide offering that we have we are probably the uh, most completed uh, company in the in the digital uh, in the digital environment uh, it's not well known in the United States because uh, we are a European company now we we honestly don't really have an headquarter uh, we are spread around the world we have 19 offices as you say the more than 1,000 people um, several uh, operating hubs uh, that is important because uh, the offices that we have are not uh, only like a sales guy or a project manager but a real hub where we do development operation basically 24 7 following the sun and um, we have we have started effectively to develop uh, more in the US uh, right after the Bruin sport capital acquisition uh, three and a half years ago uh, and uh, that was exactly the logic why they decided to invest in Delta Trade. It was uh, uh, well known in the industry, if you want, in the B2B industry, in the sport, but was not uh, yet uh, a reality in, uh, in the United States. Can you explain a little more closely what the difference is between what you do and what a BAM tech um, and or a new lion endeavor streaming, I guess it is now to... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say the main difference is that we don't do only streaming, uh, only in, in brackets, if you want. Uh, streaming is uh, streaming is uh, uh, a big component for us. is the main uh, revenue driver of the company, but we also do uh, a lot of digital platform. We actually have a division focusing on providing uh, uh, digital website and mobile apps, and then we do uh, a ton of services around uh, um, the live event. So data, uh, all the services that you have uh, in, a, in a stadium, in an arena, and then um, uh, broadcast. So broadcast TV. We do everything broadcast related for sport, but uh, production. The only production that we do is uh, enhanced digital production. So we integrate uh, the traditional broadcast feed with uh, additional cameras uh, and uh, live feed, the ability to choose the camera, these kind of things. But we do TV graphics, uh, virtual studio, uh, touch screen, uh, all the uh, broadcast and studio production. So I would say the main difference is that uh, uh, we do more. Right. I, and I noticed just looking at who your clients are, some of them actually overlap um, with, with other, I don't know, back-end streaming services. For instance, WWE, right? Yeah. Um, they're now, they used to use BAMTAC, now they use... Um, Endeavor, and but they're a client of yours as well, so that they've used everybody. What what do you do for them? That what, what hole are you filling that the others aren't? So uh, this is a really good question, actually. One of the other unique thing about us is that uh, uh, we are both a streaming a service and a product company, and we do both quite well. Uh, so we can provide the full end to end. Uh, like if you look at an OTT, we can provide the full end-to-end -end, uh, service from uh, senior acquisition to uh, delivery to the to the fans, obviously, and all the pieces in the middle. But we are also productized and we have uh, products. Uh, so we can serve the needs of uh, broadcaster federation, right holders in, or right owners in general in, in different ways. And WWE is one of those cases where we provide uh, 
uh, a piece uh, in, uh, in the front-end uh, user experience. And is there a reason why people don't use you for end-to-end since you do that? I mean, maybe give an example of, give us examples of places where you do full end-to-end and what's the advantage of doing that versus picking pieces the way other people do? So uh, I would say more than, uh, uh, so it, it really depends, I would say, from the strategy of, uh, of the client. So uh, traditionally, a league, uh, um, a club uh, prefers to have uh, an end-to-end services. So us uh, managing everything, then maybe we embed some partners that they choose, uh, these that they already have, but in that case, uh, uh, we basically allow them to focus on their core business. This is the sports, the fun, uh, and their teams, uh, and we take care with them of, uh, of all the rest. In the case of uh, broadcast telcos, uh, usually we provide uh, a piece uh, because they want to own what is uh, core to them. So maybe the cloud or the senior acquisition. So it's more about uh, the, the strategy of the, of the client, correct, Jeff? Yeah. Um, look, one one of the biggest differences is um, at 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 Alabama, um, which obviously became Bam Tech, which is now Disney Streaming Services. We we built end to end services, so clients came in and said, "This is what I want," and it was all in or all out during the days where where I where I was there. At Delta Tray, we have a very unique standpoint where we come in and say, "What is it that you need?" It's very solutions driven. Um, and if you have certain partners today, whereas 10 years ago, 10 years ago, that made a lot of sense. Today, um, most partners, most companies, most leagues, most federations, most broadcasters, even media entertainment companies have some form of stack and have partners that they already work with. And so for us, uh, we can almost serve, we, we serve as, as a systems integrator where we say, okay, we can serve the end-to-end solution for you if you have nothing. We can take pieces of things that you do with other partners and build them into our product. And because we work with such a broad array of clients uh, and partners, we've probably already integrated with most of those already. So it provides us with a unique opportunity to work with just about anybody and save a lot of time and a lot of money and get them to market faster. And from the standpoint of you know, the, the, the different clients. I mean, I think one of the things that also, you know, it was, we look at a bunch of the players that are out there, they don't just work with sports. I mean, I think obviously you got your start in sports and you talked about that, but you also do a lot more than sports from the standpoint of discovery and there's other non-sports things. Is that a newer push? And kind of, again, if you think about the, the decision set of who people can use, what are the choices? Like, why are people choosing you all for that versus somebody else in the ecosystem? Like, why does discovery, I mean, is it just purely, is it things like Eurosport in Europe? And what are the reasons why people would use you outside of sports? Andrea, you can take that. Go ahead, take the start, I integrate. Sounds good. We've done the one-two punch a couple of times, so we'll do it together. Look, there are not a lot of companies that can handle crazy scale large concurrent live audiences with something layered into it, whether that be subscriptions, whether that be live ad insertion, whether that be uh, many of the restrictions that exist around uh, geo-targeting, whether that be um, authentication or out-of-market games or so on. So that ability to handle scale in real numbers around live is truly differentiating. And there are very few companies in the world that do it well, number one. Number two, 
having a background in live sports, being able to do that really well allows you to almost move. I don't want to say downstream because it's the wrong word, but we'll say side stream if we can make up that term to be able to do things that are more VOD in nature. And certainly there are more opportunities for um, rights owners, rights holders, whether that be live sports, whether that be entertainment, whether that be media, film, news, any, anyone who has great content and can drive an audience can go launch a platform. And so if that is in the entertainment space, we work with BBC, we work with uh, BritBox and, 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 and Bell Media and a number of others. You mentioned Discovery and Golf TV. Uh, these are all examples. Well, Discovery and Golf TV is an amazing example of what we think the next OTT will look like. Uh, but these are examples where there's an archive, there's an inventory. And if you can really um, leverage the same things that work in live sports that, that I've referenced, but also things like personalization and user experience, then you can create an incredible platform uh, by working um, in, in, in live and VOD manners. If you can do live, VOD becomes a lot easier from a, from a or, or I should say archived content like, like films become a lot easier from a technology stack standpoint. I would just add that, uh, uh, Jeff, you, you, you were perfect. The only, the only thing is uh, um, we have been traditionally focusing on sport and we wanted Delta Tri to, to be a sport brand. And then during the year, especially with the increasing in the, in the, OTT, in the OTT industry, our clients started to tell us, look, uh, we cannot maintain a sport product and then an entertainment product in parallel. So we made an acquisition uh, one year and a half ago, I think, uh, is now of uh, Massive Interactive that was mainly focused on the entertainment side. And we acquired a couple of uh, uh, key products that are uh, really important for us uh, in the entertainment space. Uh, Axis is our uh, content visualization platform uh, that is allowing you to uh, modify the front end uh, with a click on all the platform uh, in a Netflix live uh, like um, um, experience and you can do it if you're Netflix because you have the scale uh, if you're not Netflix then you you need to use company like us that can scale the investment on uh, on multiple clients you keep referring to um, en entertainment as being a vertical for you can, can you explain to us some of the things that you've done in entertainment and maybe um, during the pandemic we've started to see uh, new forms of live experiences. There's been a ton of live broadcasts of uh, concerts of musicians in their homes. Have you guys been supporting that type of thing? Um, may, anything you could tell us about the entertainment side? Sure. Uh, uh, you go, go. No, go. Yeah, we, we've been busier now, now more than ever. We're, we're, I, I think we've touched on a little bit uh, of the different verticals within Delta Tray, but I think it might be helpful to give you a couple specific examples of how those platforms relate to, relate to your question. Um, so we've talked about OTT, that's large scale, um, live multi-platform video platforms that can integrate entertainment, that can integrate editorial, can integrate photos, can integrate tra uh, commerce, transactions, all that kind of stuff. Um, we, we have a, a second platform, Forge, our, our digital platform, which builds big, robust web and app products. Uh, MLB and all its clubs, minor league baseball and all its clubs, most of the sports uh, world, largely the sports world, because it's, sports are unique in that sense, because they're driven by team pages and player pages and stat pages and, and all the, those things are largely a part of our platform. Um, our third division uh, is, is live and, and around live, what we're doing is looking at 
better visual storytelling, better graphics packages, better integration of um, all forms of information into video. And there are a lot of things that we're doing around both sports and entertainment, uh, some of which we'd love to talk about, some of which we can't because we like to say we humbly support our partners in the, in the background. Uh, but there are some really cool things that you're starting to see. It, 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 it's, it's exciting. Now is a scary time. And as a pandemic, there are a lot of things going on in our world that we're all, look, all five of us are really young. It's Andrea's birthday, but we'll all assume we're really young. None of us have ever seen this before. And so- um, uh, Andrea is younger than all of us. That's all I have to say. Look, Rich, I was bucketing us all together. All right. I was doing us all a favor here. You want, if you want to separate them out, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I don't know okay. what I'm going to lose. Um, by the way, I like your barstool shirt. Um, that seems to be a good theme. Um, so yeah, th there are, there are a lot of things that, that we're, we're, see we're seeing and, and, and the data supports it. So, um, as it relates to sports and we talked a little bit about entertainment and we've covered some of the examples, Britbox is a great example. Um, we, we, why, why is it a great example? People may not even have any idea what Britbox is listening to this at all. Yeah. Let me tell you about one of, one of the things that we've, we've recently launched that I think is, is relevant to the, to the, the, the sphere of question that you're asking. Um, not all, not all OTT services are created equal. You see uh, services that have very similar types of content that have incredibly different audiences, uh, receptivity, uh, quality of experience, et cetera. And so um, understanding a broad array of what can be built into the experience for a, cons for a consumer, we're all, I, I, I'd venture to guess across the five of us, we probably have 50 subscriptions to various services of products, but truly understanding your customer and understanding what they want is game changing. And so I think one of the answers to your question that's probably most relevant is a, is a product that we recently rolled out called M Tribes. And what M Tribes is, it's basically a SaaS product that allows us to build consumers into cohorts. And so we can learn from Rich, you're consuming something that in, in macro levels is similar to the way Brandon's consuming content. And so we can start to put those in cohorts and recommend better types of things to you. And so we can better understand customers better create recommendation engines, better create personalization tools, uh, and all of those things together work really well in live sports. They work really, really well also in the world of media entertainment where you have an idea of what that content is and it's all sitting in, a, in, a, in an archive. So um, I guess the summary there really is we're, we're, we're busier now more than ever talking to clients about what um, prospective clients about what is in backlog or um, things that have been projects they've wanted to work on for a while that they now have the time to pause and think about what they could go create. We're talking to existing clients about how do you better understand your customer when sports are live again and they're coming. We've, we've seen reports in May of, of European soccer and June of PGA Tour. They'll probably happen in fanless venues, uh, but we've seen uh, qu quite a bit of, of the beginning uh, of, of that coming back. And, and I think that's really exciting. So these are products that we're thinking about during this window of, of being able to focus inward and on our clients to create uh, more innovation, more personalization tools. Jeff, earlier you had talked about scale being kind of important among the competition. So I mean, what, how do we define scale these days? I mean, I remember, what was it, Rich, maybe three years ago, we, we had a meeting with the NFL um, and their concern was the interwebs couldn't handle the type of traffic. Now they're obviously considering that as a potential package. So things have clearly changed for them. I think Cordella was telling us that um, 
what was the simultaneous streams for Russia? That was the, the peak, right? That hockey match that, uh, that they had at the Russian Olympics. That was a kind of a big number. So where, what is, what's the number today? And shouldn't the goalposts have gotten harder because the, the, um, the quality of the video feed itself has gotten higher. And yet, again, the NFL seems willing to kind of take this on as a, you know, Brandon, no, the NFL is not. I you were look- oh, <laughs> you must have been looking. At- you must have been looking at something else. You're like, what? Yeah, uh, yeah. So what? I think Brandon was looking at his background and dreaming about football season and tomorrow night's draft. <laughs> at least until the fourth pick. Yeah. Is, is the fourth pick the Giants? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I know I've made this joke before, but I'll make I'll make it again. Be- being from Boston, I-, I don't usually focus on the first part of the draft. Yeah, well, you, you maybe need to get used to it. I, so, I'm familiar with <laughs> actually. actually I, I, this, this this weaves into the scale question because uh, I may have set you up nicely for that one, Brandon. It was it was very much my intent. I thought I, I, th- I thought I'd make a friend with that joke. Didn't didn't Hulu drop out at the ends of the end of the uh, Pats Eagles game too? Uh, the Eagles Super Bowl was. I think there was a there might have been a scale issue there for Hulu. Anyway, so yeah. t- give us a sense of what what scale means and kind of who's who's there and who's not. And, what are the numbers going to be in two years, three years that you have to get to? Good, Andrea. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that more than the number is the ability of uh, properly planning it. So if you know what uh, you you are expecting, what is in front of you, you can scale and you can uh, you can plan accordingly. Obviously, you cannot have a, a platform all the time ready to support uh, three, four million uh, uh, concurrent user. I mean, so what, what is that, Andrea? What does that scaling mean? You're going to like, um, what's that Boston company? The uh, um, and you, you're buying extra capacity. Yeah. So, yeah. So do you, you're yeah. just bu- basically buying um, extra capacity for that time, right? Yes. So whether you use, uh, I mean, any of the cloud providers or. Uh, Microsoft, Google, uh, Amazon, okay. or do it uh, in-house. I'm not sure that anyone is still doing it in-house. Uh, you basically buy yeah, extra capacity for a specific moment, in, particularly, uh, in particular the, the login. So sport is particular. Jeff mentioned it before that entertainment is a bit easier in the sense that in the entertainment you don't have the peak. While uh, talking about soccer, 10-15 uh, minutes uh, before... The beginning of uh, of the game, you will have uh, thousand, uh, hundred thousand, million of people logging in at the same time, and there is where you need to plan properly uh, and basically open the platform in order to have uh, um, enough capacity to have everyone uh, requesting. So that, that's just the processing of the registration in the cloud, as opposed to the running of the simultaneous stream once everyone's in. Yes, yes, I, I will say that's the, that's the big uh, that's the big. Uh, uh, issue that uh, most of the OTT platforms are facing and all the famous cases that I'm not going to mention now uh, that we had in the past one or two years were all uh, mainly related to uh, to login and authentication. Yeah, I think that's so, a good but, point. But you describe it as something very easy then. How does that end up being a differentiation point among the different options that are out there? Because then if everyone just says, look, fine, I'll just buy some more cloud and, and uh and whatever, and be prepared for the big event. Then it wouldn't. It wouldn't seem like scale ends up being a differentiator. 
It's not that easy to 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 be honest. I mean, it's easy in the sense that technologically is uh, is possible, but uh, uh, again, you need to properly to properly plan plan for it and to properly uh, quantify the number of users that you're gonna expect. Then, uh, for the big events, in fact, usually you have less issues in the big events if you want, because uh, companies are taking if you want less risk. And they uh, book more uh, more capacity. So it's not anymore rocket science. Is, is what I'm trying to say. It's feasible. You need to plan uh, accordingly. Uh, and uh, I would say the limit uh, is not anymore uh, when it comes to OTT. It's not anymore the number of users that uh, that, that, that you will have. There are cases. Uh, I remember uh, at the beginning of. Uh, of this season in Italy when uh, the serial rights switched to an OTT provider. Uh, they had a problem with the, with the internet infrastructure in Italy, but again, because they were not expecting that much users uh, all, around the, all around the country. Yeah, and, and, I, and the, I, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff, sorry. No, you're, you're, you're this talking at the same time actually was exactly my, my point. Tech, technology solves a lot. Um, and you can solve quite a bit through planning. You can solve quite a bit through better infrastructure. You can find solve quite a bit through um, technology, intelligent technology thinking. But just like this Zoom call, we're all sort of, uh, 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 if we were all sitting in the room together, it would be far simpler, far more easy um, to, to, to be having this dialogue. And I, I would say almost the same holds true as a parallel. I'm going to make this metaphor up as I go. Uh, but almost the same holds true in building an ecosystem or building a, a platform. To Andrea's defense, I think when he, when he mentioned it's easier, he was talking about um, VOD and entertainment, where you have movies that are in the can and are um, able to be planned for, as opposed to live sport, where you're pulling it off of a, a, a stadium or an arena uh, and put, or a ballpark and putting it into a consumer's hands in a short window of time. Uh, but traditionally, the bottlenecks that have occurred, um, at least that I've seen over my career, I've, I've I've been working in the streaming world for uh, not 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 that long, but they haven't lived for that long. So I guess right. as long as, any, as anybody. Um, and so uh, the bottlenecks tend to occur um, around payment gateways or um, around getting people into the flow. Um, and some of the solutions that I've seen exist, and not to name any examples, tend to occur where um, pay, payment gateways or payment walls or registration flows or those types of things are taken down and users are allowed into that environment. So sports, baseball is a great example. Baseball is unique in that you've got every half inning a commercial break. And even when there was no commercial break uh, or no commercials being aired or no ads being aired in the early days, you had consumers saying, give me something, give me an animated logo, give me tweets that are going out in the marketplace right now, give me um, some sort of programming in the can, if you don't have a commercial you can serve up, just give me something to keep me engaged in the overall platform. So the technologies are getting better and better. CDNs uh, allow for more and more capacity. You can have multi CDNs and, and, all, and all sorts of backups. Um, but but it, it's a little bit easier as it relates to VOD, VOD than live. Uh, but, but truthfully, doing live live uh, at high capacity is, um, you know, that, that, that's, that's the special sauce. Uh, and, and that's where 30 plus years of experience in technology and however many years in, in, in streaming um, separates us across a lot of clients from, from the masses.
And NBC Sports Gold, I guess they had some issues when they first got the EPL with their initial registrations. And even now, I think during halftime, they're not loading any type of ads in there. They're not even giving you the, their own halftime show. It's just it's just kind of blank space for the 15 minutes of, of halftime. So the, the, uh, just one more last one on the capacity well, issue. Your, to that question, is it, it, this stuff isn't easy. And, yep. uh, you know, no one roots. I think every one of us in this space would say the same thing, I hope. No one roots for anyone else to ever not have an amazing experience because as we all have great experiences, as our parents have great experiences, whether it be watching shows on Netflix or watching live sports, as each generation has better and better overall live experiences, we all do well. And, and, and karma comes back to bite. So I always watch other, other, other streams, whether it's our own or, or, or other examples and, and root for the overall pie to do well. Because uh, as people have great experiences, more people buy uh, other types of live product, and that helps the overall uh, ship to rise, so to speak. I mean, look, it's 10x better than than anything was two years ago. So they're they're making leaps and bounds. But you know, and how many years x better than when you had a little button in the corner? Yeah, for sure. So just one last one on that. So again, I get it on the registration. The 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 actual streams themselves, though, as quality goes up, but also interactivity. If if like if you give me the option to start switching cams or move around, you know, and and be behind the quarterback or or a forward, is that stuff also going to be able to to be done at scale? And is it really just that registration process that's going to be the limiting factor from a scale process from a scale standpoint? Um. I guess I'll, I'll jump in, Andrea. Go, yeah. Just, just talk over me at, at any point. I, 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 sitting quietly has never been my, my, my strength. Um, I, I would say this. There are many examples across many sports, and I, almost every sport, where we've, um, as an industry and individually, tried to create, tried to innovate, and tried to do new things. Whether that be to allow people to choose a camera, whether that be to, to allow people to change their audio, so you're listening to the radio of your favorite local team. Well, oh, that'd be um, great. <laughs> so so there, there, great. there's examples over and over again. What the data show is that directors and producers get paid a lot of money for a reason. You have a small subsegment of individuals who love to watch the coach cam or the dugout cam or the goal cam, yeah. um, but they play with it. The data show they play with it for a, a bit of time and they sit back and say, you know what? Those directors are really good. And this produced content is really good. And I'd like to, whether it's on a giant TV uh, where we, you know, we have access to, to huge uh, number of pixels of, of content or a small iPhone, um, you, you kind of want to sit back and enjoy it in, th in that experience. So the data show that you can play with a lot of these tools, but a, 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 lot, of, a lot of the examples that we could talk about that are probably in the same realm um, tend to be a small subsegment of the audience. They tend to be a loud subsegment of the audience that love to voice their, their passion for them or complain when they go away. But relatively speaking, um, we're always thinking about how to be unique and innovative and, and, uh, and creative with respect to programming and technology. Um, but the, uh, to your question specifically, the limitation is our creativity. We have a, an opportunity to, to innovate, but I think we even more have an obligation to innovate. So, so I, I totally hear you on the cams, but I will say this, if you can give me the option of not having to listen to Joe Buck for NFL games, I may even actually watch some baseball playoffs. If, if I can get an alternative audio feed to Joe Buck, I mean, come on, it's just test that one. And we'll see, <laughs> I think it's going to be more than a few people. 
You're losing part of your background. I don't know what's going on right over your your, sun, uh, your right shoulder. The, sun, the sun's coming in. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was thinking maybe because it looks like it's nighttime above you. So I didn't, I wasn't sure. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, one of the things we get sort of stuck in our bubble in the U S and most U S sports rights are still owned by big broadcasters or cable networks. And the streaming is almost like a, an afterthought. I, don't, I shouldn't say afterthought, but if you, you know, if you look at like Thursday night football, they do, you know, whatever. It's the second highest broadcast of the week, 15 plus million viewers, if not more. Streaming is great. And it adds in 400, maybe with Twitch adds in another 200. So you got like 600,000 viewers and you add in all the digital aspects. And, you know, I think the NFL says you can get up to a million viewers on digital, but it's still dwarfed by what's happening on broadcast or cable. I guess if you look around the world and you have so many different operations, are there places where streaming is the dominant place like where streaming is and, and how big have you done like what is the biggest streaming sports that isn't a, a simulcast but is actually like that is the exclusive home for it what's the best example of a country of a league where should we be looking to see where the u.s to walt's point where we're going to end up whether it's in three years five years who knows but like where are we headed in terms of examples so uh, I, I start, Jeff. Uh, I, I will say in terms of countries, we had example, uh, I think it's very much linked also to the average uh, age of the population. We have an example, I remember a few years ago, I was surprised in the Netherlands that at a certain point uh, uh, with one of the big uh, pay-to-view broadcasters that also had a, a streaming platform where you were able to subscribe and was new at the time because um, Three, four years ago, there were not standalone OTT, but you were getting the OTT product, the digital product, if you were a subscriber also of the uh, satellite or, or cable channel. They already had a standalone uh, OTT product, and at a certain point, they had more subscribers uh, on the OTT product rather than, than on the other. So uh, there are examples, I think, in Europe, uh, there are countries like uh, the Netherlands, the Nordics, where streaming uh, is, really, is really big. Uh, now also depends uh, from how the rights are, are sold. So in the case, uh, I move now to Japan. If you want to watch uh, J-League in Japan, you have to watch it uh, on the OTT product. You have no other option. You have some games uh, on... Yeah, and are they- consumers okay with that? I mean, has that hurt the reach of the J-League? Like, Because, I mean, if you look at the NFL, their biggest fear, right, is they want to be extending reach, not shrinking reach. And the fear sort of of digital is... If you go all digital, you lose a lot of casual fans the way a TNT or an ABC gets casual fans. What is Japan seen? Is there any kind of ex- thing we could look to? I think at the beginning, yes, uh, they might have lost a bit of reach. Then uh, people get used to it. My, 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 my wife is Japanese. My father-in-law is Japanese. And uh, I installed him the Apple TV to, to watch the, the J-League. Uh, and now he's watching the J-League. So... Uh, I think people get 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 used to it. Uh, at the beginning, yes, you might probably lose uh, lose a bit to re- uh, a bit of reach. Again, depending who you are and who you and who you are uh, you are targeting. In terms of uh, number of users, uh, uh, the big big difference is again authentication and authentication. So if uh, is a free event, I think Jeff then correct me if I'm wrong, but the biggest number we reached them still years ago in uh, in India with cricket, uh, I think it was 2015, there was uh, India-Pakistan uh, was uh, an, open, uh, an open stream and we made some, uh, some crazy numbers. Authentication, 
listed, honestly, I don't remember by heart, but I think we need What's to a crazy that. number? Like, what is millions? Is that millions, I assume? Millions, yes, millions. Millions. Uh, uh, it's also a concurrent number behind paywalls as opposed to things that are free and ad-supported and otherwise. There's lots of but, different metrics. But maybe just to finish off on this point, like if, if the NFL said Thursday Night Football is only going to be available on Amazon or Google or some partnership with somebody who uses Delta Tray, like, you know, those, that's the, the biggest game of the week is Thursday Night Football. Or sorry, it's Thursday afternoon football, the 415. I think people don't realize just how big that game of the week is. Like, could, like would the Internet, maybe to Walt's point, like, would the Internet melt down? Like, is it even possible, like, whether it's the registration wall, whether it's the concurrent capacity, like, is the internet ready? I mean, I remember seeing Eric Schmidt probably seven years ago say emphatically at a Paley Center event, Google could do it. We could handle it. But yet I've seen YouTube TV go down during some events. So, like, is the internet actually capable of a 415 football game exclusively, not simulcast? But, like, that's the place you go. I honestly think yes. Then uh, I don't know, Jeff, if you have uh, another opinion. But I think now, yes, he's ready. Uh I mean, we need, to, we need to consider that there is a lot of live traffic, not sport-related, everyday video on uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, and uh, So there are big numbers uh, out there, and there are also big numbers already on, uh, on, uh, on, live, on live OTT. So I think it will be, it will be absolutely able to, to, to handle it. I think it's more a problem of right value and, as you said, uh, reach, coverage, uh, and all other implications, rather than effectively the, the technology being able to being able to deliver. Yeah, I think also, um, look, um, rights owners have lots of decisions to make, and media rights generate a significant amount of value. And so um, organizations need to make intelligent decisions about how they reach the widest audiences possible, and also how they get creative around a domestic and global strategy, how they get creative around a linear and digital strategy, and what does that look like? Um, and I think we've seen organizations get smart um, or get smarter um, around a broadcast strategy, a cable strategy, an owned and operated strategy, and also a distributed strategy. So uh, lots of different packages being carved up. You, you referenced when you started when you said the Thursday four o'clock game. I was thinking you were talking about European football, and I was happy to defer. I, to, I, I to meant Sunday. And then yeah, when I realized yeah. I said Sunday afternoon football, I started to think, all right, I now know the sport that to which you were referring. I don't even know um, what day it is anyway. At this I, point. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I've made that joke enough times that my wife is like, please stop referring to today as day. Um, so I promised her I would, and now I've lied, and she's going to see this at some point and, 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 and laugh at me. But look, I think there's a real opportunity for people to be creative around maximizing look content is always going to be king distribution is right along right there alongside them and and thinking through smart linear models thinking through smart digital models thinking through um what i mean the nfl does have a package on amazon um that has done quite well um could the nfl uh put a a four o'clock sunday game on um a, a streaming platform absolutely but there are a lot of factors to consider uh beyond solely the technology um, which Andrea referenced, you know, are, in, include media value and media rights. But uh, these are the, 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 the fun, for me, this, these are the fun decisions and the fun types of conversations that we get to have with our partners across various sports, across entertainment, across media, across film, across lots of different verticals around how do you maximize thoughtfully the value of your rights, whether you're a rights owner or a rights holder, um, and then use that to distribute 
on your own platform, on other platforms to generate the most amount of money and, and, and think through acquisition and retention and, and winbacks and all kinds of models that um, I don't think anyone has the answer. Every league is doing something a little bit different. And that, that, that's the exciting and fun part of our jobs, really. One company that was really early to shifting into OTT and one of the most successful at it was WWE. And I, we found it fascinating that, what is it now, two or three months ago, they announced their intention to kind of abandon um, what we now know as the WWE Network and sell off their rights to what I guess Vince called the big boys, right, to, to, to larger streaming entities. Um, and it makes you wonder, is there a place for niche OTT products or, um, or do most of, of the ones that exist now, would they be better off being attached to a larger one? And part of that in, in our conversations with WWE, it, it seemed to, to point towards them feeling like they, they didn't exactly have the DNA in the company um, to, to really push the product and do well with it, despite the fact that they were outsourcing a lot of it to Endeavor. And just curious what your thoughts are there. So, I'll attack uh, this one. Okay, I got it. Just uh, one minute. I think that, as far as I remember, one of the first has been ATP uh, with Tennis TV, where they decided to have the rights all around the world in parallel, uh, so non-exclusive, uh, not the master, but all the rest of the of the tennis uh, on the OTT platform, and was quite surprising. I think now it's five years, or six years, uh, and I think that they've been one of the first and they did and they're doing uh, still uh, uh, really, really well. On the smallest one, I think there is a place. Uh, it all depends then from the cost of the provider and the cost that, that comes with, uh, with hiring your, your, your content. Uh, but absolutely, there is a place. You get, co- you get direct contact with the, with the fan. You can monetize in another way. So there is definitely a, 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 a space. Then I'm not going to enter in the packaging and all this kind of stuff because I, I leave it to Jeff. I think this is his bread and butter. So go ahead. Um, look, I, 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 I... You were obviously there when WWE chose BamTech, I presume. You mean in the room? Yeah, or like you were part of that conversation originally. Look, there, there, I'm going to start off with this. There are, few, there are a few smarter in our industry as rights owners than WWE as far as being able to create their content um, as far as this, the, the, the reach they get across social, as far as being early into the game around WWE Network. Uh, if you recall, uh, and not many people do, WWE Network, um, WWE was out looking at creating a linear TV channel. Um, they ultimately went live with WWE Network on 20-some-odd platforms the same day, literally flipped the switch, 21 platforms live. Um, and if you recall, because they have SummerSlam and WrestleMania during different times of the year, they went live with a six-month minimum buy. Uh, and that was the package. And so if you buy, I think it was a seven days to cancel. It might not have even been shorter. Um, six, six months and, and, and you were a subscriber. And the reason for that model, quite frankly, I, I would argue is you were replacing some of the, the pay-per-view buys and some of the traditional models that had existed within that organization. Um, over time, that's tri- transitioned and, and, and moved very much the same way uh, the whole industry has that went from a six-month minimum buy to a month-to-month opportunity, which is nine ninety-nine. Have you ever seen 
I mean, we've all, we're all very fortunate in our careers. We're very lucky to go to a lot of sporting events. Have you ever been to an event where the people in the crowd are cheering for the price of your product? I've been to a WWE event where the crowd starts cheering $9.99 to thank WWE because they believe <laughs> they could charge more for their product. It was unbelievable. I started cheering. I was so excited they were, <laughs> they were doing it. Uh, and they've now migrated to a freemium model. Uh, and so um, they create amazing content. And uh, for some of our, our clients, we do everything end to end. For others, like you referenced WWE, we, we do some and, and others do others. But that's, I think, part of the special sauce is that there are many people innovating in lots of different ways that allow lots of different providers to do best of breed solutions. I think what's special about Delta Tray is that we are a systems integrator where we offer a core solution where we can build for clients. And if clients have an existing stack that they want to use, I already work with this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy, then that's fine. I did. I, I had this example this morning with a, a, a prospective client and I'm like, if, if you have a client that does A, B, F, and J, no problem, we'll do. And then I had to freak out and pause and say, B, C, D, and figure out which letters I hadn't referred to the other guys were, were doing. But that's part of the special sauce um, of, of, of working with, with these guys. Um, Brandon, I think your question about um, our, our second tier sports um, valuable on, on, on other on lots of offerings, there are pluses and minuses to every decision that get made. If you're on a multi-sport offering, um, maybe exposure, is, is something you get a lot of or less of. Um, you're, you're, you're bound by the same bundles that uh, certain organizations have been bound by in the, in the cable bundle. And so I think there are opportunities now more than ever to create an owned and operated solution, but also to create a distributed solution where different types of content can live inside um, multi-sport offerings for what you, what you refer to as second tier sports. When you think about um, competitors in the space, you know, we had Kevin Lin, uh, who co-founded Twitch on Lightshed Live the other day. It's sort of one of the questions that's come in um, from people that are watching is, is Twitch a competitor to what you do? Or is that a, is live streamers a whole different category in terms of like, you know, where's the threat and kind of where's the differentiation in terms of what they're essentially enabling versus you? I would say it's not a competitor. Uh, they could actually be a client because, uh, as I mentioned before, we do a lot of uh, studio enhancement, uh, data enhancement, uh, broadcast services. So we 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 have conversation with a lot of uh, uh, esports brand and esports uh, platforms. So they might actually actually be be a client. I think they did a bit of MBA, if I'm if I'm not wrong, but. Uh, I don't see Twitch as a, as a, as a competitor, honestly. I think everyone in the industry is, is, a, is a, in the, the term you hear, it's overused, but co-opertition. Andrea's right. Um, look, a, a, any environment that uh, provides a solution to consumers to watch live content or VOD content um, is a place where rights can go. But um, we fit into the mix really neatly. Um, to be able to enhance. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, our, our, our live broadcast and, and, and data business, but to be able to enhance um, products through, and I'll give you a perfect example for, for eSports. Um, we build um, virtual studios. We build incredible graphics packages. Um, we do those for live sports, but we also do those in, in the eSports in e space. So you, you've got the ability to not only provide the backbone and the back end of the infrastructure that provides live video, but we actually make the video 
better. There's an old commercial. We, we don't only make the video, we make the video better. Um, we, we, we get into the actual prod, broadcast product itself with AR, with VR, with players walking across the screen saying who they are and moving on uh, along the screen. And that, that's a huge part of our business. Uh, and, and there's a real opportunity to grow that in, a lot, in, in the esports space. Well, the other question that came in was just, you know, when Endeavor bought New Line, I think there was a lot of um, excitement of what they were going to do with it. And um, I, I think, you know, it's obviously been, I, I guess if I'm being kind, maybe a mixed bag, but it seems like you all have been a lot more successful than kind of Endeavor streaming. Is that is that fair? Or I mean, I forget about what it means for them, but just, I guess, why have you been more successful? Like, what is there, you know, notable difference? Is it just the suite of services? Is it the global aspect? Like, what? Why are you winning more business than they are? Oh, well, I think we are different. Uh, that's the first po point. Uh, we, we have been doing this for uh, 33, now 34, uh, 34 years. And again, we do, we do way more. Uh, we work with uh, some of our clients since uh, 34 years. So that's also probably one of the uh, big, uh, big difference when it comes to not, not only them, but uh, to a lot of other companies. We, we tend to be uh, in a partnership more than in a vendor, uh, vendor relationship most of the time. Um, and then uh, again, as we mentioned before, the flexibility and the uh, suite of products that we have, uh, uh, I truly believe they are a, a competitive advantage for us. I referenced how young we all are, so I'll, I'll keep that as the focus. But in, in my career, I've never been surrounded by a group of individuals, thousand plus majority are engineers that just want to go build great stuff. And many people say it. I, I, I actually, I, I, I truly believe it. So hopefully that, that comes across with all sincerity. People just want to go build great solutions. Um, when we started working with baseball, we had a bunch of, um, a number of teams a number of people on teams in Europe that were just excited to like, tell me more about baseball. Let me go learn the sport. Let me go watch more games. Let me go uh, better understand the solution. And, and, and two weeks into the project, we had a, a, an innovation lab that was creating entirely new ways of distributing, uh, of, of, of consuming uh, uh, areas of baseball. And, and some of those have been built into the MLB site. Some of them are coming this year, things like live blogging and visual stories and things that are just great, for better consuming various sports. And so I don't know if it's a true differentiator, but one thing that is absolutely amazing about Delta Trey is it's a team of people that just want to go build great stuff. Um, and so we walk into partners, we're incredibly transparent. We say, all right, look, here's how a deal could work. You've laid out your requirements. A lot of deals uh, or a lot of opportunities come with, with, with requirements, uh, RFPs. And we commit and we say, look, here's what we think you've asked for. Here's how we would do it if we were creating your RFP or we were creating a solution for you. And here are all the things that you could then there, layer on thereafter. Here's what a build might look like. It's a bit more waterfall in nature. It's got a launch date of this time. It's got a cost of this amount. It's got um, these types of features in it. But over time, you then have a, a team dedicated to in two-week sprints. Let's just go innovate around what's great. For you and it creates deep relationships from from my standpoint during this you know window where we're all quarantined um i talk to clients more now partners more now than i ever have prospects more now than i ever have and it's about ideating and yeah. um i think on the other end of this when sports are playing that's gonna 
position us really well to um, have a whole innovation lab full of stuff that we want to roll out to them. So um, hopefully that didn't come off as corny because, you know, talking about passion and wanting to build great stuff is perhaps just that, but it's true. You brought up esports uh, a couple of times, and that's obviously uh, a new a new medium um, for broadcast. Can you discuss maybe some of the the challenges uh, in making esports uh, accessible to an audience, and um, kind of what you've learned as as you've worked on esports over the last couple of years or so? Can you, I, can you explain the question? You mean accessible as far as the technology is concerned or people playing remotely or what? what I don't understand, understand the question. As, as far as making it watchable for the audience. So what, what I'll say is a, a lot, um, especially of not hardcore gamers, will go and start watching um, esports, even things that are more accessible like FIFA or NBA 2K. And... Um, and complain that the the broadcast itself, uh, whether it uh, moves around too quickly, there, there hasn't been like a real development um, of of maybe best practices to make that look good to the consumer. Can can you maybe talk about how that's evolved, um, if at all, um, since yeah. since I, I honestly think if you're a writer, I, I think is. It's just early stage in some cases, and uh, there are so many uh, non-casual fans that uh, uh, the casual uh, have not been their focus until now. Because when you do again tens of millions of uh, concurrent uh, uh, people that know where to find uh, your content, you don't need to have uh, uh, a broadcast uh, a broadcast product. Then broadcast lately started, and is where. Uh, we did most of our work in uh, eSport uh, is to help uh, uh, the eSport brand adapting their broadcasting to uh, mainstream audience. Uh, but as you, uh, as you said, it's, uh, sometimes it's not, it's not easy for, uh, for the content itself. There are some uh, like uh, FIFA PES, uh, uh, the traditional sport, if you want, that are a bit, uh, are a bit easier, but uh, um, are very far away from what uh, uh, the general audience uh, is used to. So I will say for the moment uh, is mainly a, question, a matter of focus and, uh, and priorities. For now, uh, the priority have been the hardcore, uh, hardcore fans uh, and they know very well where to find uh, the content, how to access it, uh, and uh, they know what they want to watch. Yeah. Um, esports, which is obviously a subsegment of gaming, uh, have been traditionally available in an as Andrea just said, it, environments where consumers who are looking for that content know exactly where to find it. And over the last, what are we, six weeks, um, March 11th was when um, the NBA suspended its season and things changed considerably in all, all of our sports viewing lives. Since March 11th, you've now seen iNASCAR, which is getting tremendous um, response. Uh, NBA 2K, Games of Horse, MLB The Show, um, E-FIFA, and so on and so on and so on. And so these are things that are now available via broadcast TV and, and in creating, to Richard's point earlier, uh, a wider audience, uh, different demos, more individuals that may not be used to seeing different types of content. You're going to get all kinds of, of, of receptivity and, and reactions. So um, e-sports e e has uh, certainly um, moved to the forefront 
because partly that it can be played remotely, it can be played with different individuals in different rooms. Um, and, and as a result, you, you've seen a ton of, of, of leagues and, and, and broadcasters put that on the air. So new audiences are starting to consume it. And uh, with, with that comes um, various positive reactions. You just hit a bit on what your client's interest has been in terms of mobile. I mean, before you were talking about, you know, the technology um, in terms of, yeah, it sounds cool to have a different cam, but then you don't really use it. Is mobile the same way in terms of, you know, we hear a lot of it, of it connected to 5G around every Super Bowl. Verizon will say, hey, we're going to go in and 5G is going to, you're going to see some replays or do whatever. Like, what is the reality in terms of, this being a commercial opportunity for the clients and their interest? Is it more of kind of a bells and whistles where we're the forefront or is this something that people are really going to use and generate incremental ad dollars or whatever the case may be? Uh, the reality is we're going to find out. Um, we have not seen a situation like this before and behaviors are changing for, as I said, six weeks. There's an old saying that says if someone does something consecutive for 21 days, it becomes a pattern. Well, we've now more than doubled that. And so people are starting to change their behaviors. We are seeing OTT viewing up. I've seen various numbers from in the high 20s percent to high 30s percent. TV viewing is up, although uh, maybe, maybe not as high as, as others would see. The prime time window, which used to be 8 p.m., is now 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday to Friday is your prime time window. Um, Stat after stat after stat. What are people watching? They're watching sports documentaries. They're watching uh, coronavirus sports news. They're watching classic games and countdown shows from 41% of the 30% uh, because esports is in, in, in the high, in the low, low 20s, high teens. And so um, these are all examples of what is the new normal? What is that next normal? And we don't, we don't know. Um, we speculate. We have pretty good hypotheses and we are, um, in our various innovation labs inside Delta Tray, um, building solutions that we believe are ready for when live sports start to play again. But absolutely, patterns are going to shift and behaviors are going to change. I don't know if that answered your question. I hope it did. Well, I was more about like, is it getting, I understand that you're developing and getting ready. Has that, is, has it been demand driven as well? Or are the, are the clients looking for solutions that they think are going to be realistic in the next, let's call it two years, as opposed to, Hey, this makes for a cool Super Bowl yeah. commercial yeah. once a year. And it's kind of bullshit in terms of an actual follow on service offering that they, that they, that they provide. It's a great question. Andrea, go ahead. Or, uh, yeah, I, I, I think as, yes. When it comes to 5g, I, I, I think it's going to particularly change some of, some of our habits, like in the, in the stadium, and hopefully we will be able to go back soon in the stadium, in the arena. There is where we are getting a lot of uh, uh, requests now to create experiences okay. that are 5G based uh, uh, in the stadium, for instance. So that that is, I see it as a, as a game changer in the, in, the, in the fan experience and the way we consume content, for instance, to give you a concrete example. Yeah, I, mean, I would think, I think that's right. Europe, I would think in Europe, the, some of the demand might be higher. I mean, it's a lot of the stadiums that I've been. There's no, we don't have the screens like you have in like Jerry Bowl. So Absolutely. being able to see replays, um, you know, Absolutely. obviously be higher demand there. Absolutely, and then in Europe we had historically Wi-Fi maybe in the VIP area, not in on the stadium and connectivity was impossible. Right. You were going to the stadium and then posting on Facebook 30 minutes later, so. The only last topic I wanted to hit, you've been very generous with your time. 
uh, is, you know, Jeff had mentioned before that the Golf TV Discovery launch was, I think he said something to the way is that's the future or that points to the future. I don't think anyone has any idea what exactly Golf TV is, what's going to be innovative about Golf TV and why that kind of leans into the future. Can you just give us like a minute or two on just like what excites you about what you're doing there and when we'll see it, where it stands, et cetera? Yep. I mean, I want to answer Walter's question at one, one, one point, and then I will ask you spe- specifically. To the question, Walter, that, that there are a number of leagues that are thinking, how do I provide new solutions in fanless venues? Sports are going to come back before fans come back. And so you're starting to see fans think about um, augmented reality or machine learning-driven audio. And is that cool? You're starting to, is it interesting enough to watch 10 players run up and down a court or do you need that type of level of, I, I've seen a, a league in, in Asia that's putting mannequins in the stadiums. I've also seen, you have the ability to scream into a, 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 your, your own microphone on your phone to capture audio in, in real time. Uh, you're going to have different opportunities for remote camera work, which I know we've talked about quite a bit today, where you can select the type of camera that you want um, so that you have one camera on one side of the stadium, one camera on another. They find an individual point and you drop a camera right on the free throw line and watch that. And so a lot of technology is coming out. I saw an example today of uh, being able to tailgate socially distanced and remotely from your car watching a sporting event on a, on, a, on a video board outside of a stadium. And what kind of technology can we create that allows for better food ordering socially distanced and safely or augmented reality tools where you hold your phone up and you can start to see things in unique ways that you otherwise wouldn't consume at home. So I think there's a tremendous amount of innovation that's coming out of these changed change patterns. So I just thought that was important. Sorry if that didn't answer your question, Rich. Rich, um, I believe the next iteration, we believe the next iteration of OTT platforms are not going to be uh, what you saw years ago uh, where you logged in, you watched video, you logged out. That's still the great experience. That's your bread and butter. But there are opportunities for so much more to be done. And that's why our solutions being so tied together is so unique. Having, we haven't talked about them specifically in as much detail, but Diva, our video player, tied to Axis, tied to M-Tribe, tied to Forge, which is our, our, our web platform. All of those things all being tied together allows for Golf TV to, you log in, oh, you, there's a freemium component, uh, but you, you log in, you're able to watch live golf um, from around, around the world. And again, this is a product that, that exists outside the United States. Um, PGA Tour Live is on P- NBC Sports Gold in the United States. Golf TV Discovery is, is, is global. So ability to watch live video, ability to cut up those video videos in such a way that you can watch every player, every shot, every hole, like you were able to on the Thursday of, of, of TPC. Uh, the ability to click on images or click on videos and be able to purchase the types of products that, that some of us are each wearing on our, on our clothing, representing various broadcasters or various uh, sporting, sporting events. And so being able to transact in, in, in different ways, being able to mix videos, photos, sorry, videos, photos, editorial, et cetera, all in a unique way, being able to book tea times, being able to book lessons, all of those things that becomes a home of golf are Discovery's vision. They have grand visions and they're um, really thoughtful and really strategic and, um, it's, it's exciting. There's a, a, a really smart, fun client to work with. Partner, I should say, to work with. You, you guys have been great. This was a great education in what, what you all do, why you've built this business. Congrats on what you've achieved so far. We look forward to following it. And um, thanks for, again for taking the time um, for both my partners. We're just really excited to have you both on Light Shed Live. 
Thank you, guys. This is a, a scary oh, time in all of our lives. I hope everyone's healthy and well. Be safe and healthy. And happy birthday to Andrea. So hopefully I'll get off the phone. And, it's, uh, and it's enjoy the draft. Night, so it's time for a beer. Good. Thank you. Later. Thank you. Later. Cheers.